Comics. Movies. Music. Video games. Technology. Blu-ray. Television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No Google. No Amazon.com. No email. No podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Hey everyone, it's the Walking Dead TV podcast, episode 25. This is not the Norman Reedus Spotlight Show, unfortunately. We've lied to you again. But this is John, and I have with me Russ Jordan and Mr. Jim Dietz. What's going on, fellas? Yeah, not a lot. Trying not to die in a tornado. Yeah. Brains, everybody. Brains. Brains. Yes. As usual. We were hoping to get the Norman Reedus thing done tonight, but fret not uh, fans of the Reedus and, and uh, Dixon's Vixens and the Boondock Bettys and all of you. We will, we will get to it. Uh, we couldn't pull it together fast enough. The end of May is approaching, and the sponsor says we have to put out another show. So that's the way it is. It would be, it would be much better if we gave the Norman Reedus show the time and attention it deserved rather than trying to put something together slapdash. We know there are a lot of big, serious Norman Reedus fans out there yeah. uh, listening to the show, so we really want to give the man his due. And I am anti-slapdash in any regard. Yes, you are. And we're going to we're going to be bringing in Aaron Newworth, our great blogger from hhwlod.com and and whysoblue.com. He'll be coming in to talk some Norman Reedus. Uh, we're also working on bringing in the people responsible for the Walking Dead fan club.com. And they have some really interesting stuff going on on that site. So good stuff to look forward to in the future. Thank God because we still have uh, what Jordan 7 months or so. What no, not that long, but uh, October, so you know. We're getting there, but it's uh, it's it's still a ways off. Russ, why don't you tell our fine, fine listeners about our great sponsor before we get going? Our sponsor for the Walking Dead TV podcast, as always, is Discount Comic Book Service. That's DCBService.com, where you could save anywhere from 40% to 50% to even sometimes up to 75% off on new number one issues of your favorite comics and uh, collected editions. So this month on the Walking Dead front, we have Walking Dead number 87. That's the regular monthly um, issue that comes out. The final issue, number four, of the Walking Dead Survivor's Guide. And we have the next four issues in the Walking Dead Weekly, 27, 28, 29, and 30. Um, also, I think this month we're solicited or are solicited the comic series figures um, that we've talked about on, on previous episodes of the show. So um, lots of cool stuff. Some, some other stuff that's being solicited this month um, that's not Walking Dead related but might be of interest is the uh, Joss Whedon Dollhouse Epitaphs number one of five. So this is a miniseries that picks up kind of after the, the last episode of the season two of, of Joss Whedon and um, – Eliza Dushku's he uh, had a, I was waiting. He had to get Dushku in. <laughs> you know it. You know it. Um, so that one's 50, 50% off. It's only $1.75, so nice deal. Um, 
The new Captain America number one comic is 75% off, so that's one of those, those hot deals. 99 cents. So you can get a, a new number one for 99 cents, uh, just in time for the new Cap movie coming out. The other one is a new standalone hardcover from Marv Wolfman and George Perez that is New Teen Titans Games. And this is like something that's... I want to say 20, almost 30 years in the making at this point. Um, it's a project they started a long time ago. It's been solicited, resolicited. I think it was going to be an annual at one point, um, and it's finally uh, coming out. So uh, it's an oversized hardcover. I believe 50% off, twelve forty nine. So lots of good deals on the digital front. Um, they do have a new site DCBS does called MyDigitalComics.com, and they are currently running James Ruggs' Aphrodisiac, and it is only $7.99. It is DRM-free in PDF format, CBZ format, um, and a page flip format. And um, I have not yet had a chance to read this, but from what I understand, if you like um, black exploitation flicks, if you've seen Black Dynamite and like Black Dynamite, you'll be all over Aphrodisiac. Well, so it's a little more complicated than that. Imagine Jack and Stan uh, doing a black exploitation comic. That's aphrodisiac. Jim Rugg is actually a friend. He, he lives here near in Pittsburgh. He did his uh, his uh, book signing here at the museum, and actually, my server Megan uh, was one of the models at the signing, and uh, got, we got to meet him. He's a really cool guy. And uh, it, uh, aphrodisiac is totally it's totally worth seven ninety nine. I think the hardcover is going for like. Uh, you know, twenty or thirty now. So I mean, it's definitely worth the, the the download. Great stuff, really hilarious. Again, like you said, Black Dynamite. If you were to mix that with like the first uh, fifty issues of the Fantastic Four and uh, other seventies comics, uh, you'd end up with uh, with Aphrodisiac. I can't say enough good things about it. It's a great comic. Cool. So as always, use the code WD eight, and you'll get an extra eight percent off your first order. Um, or if you have not ordered from DCBS in the last year. So um, once again, we thank our sponsor, Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com. Something I wanted to mention really quick at their uh, brother site, In Stock Trades. If you uh, just want to enjoy the show and you don't want to be spoiled on any of the comics, this is a book that I, I received as a gift, and I really enjoyed it a lot. It's the Walking Dead Covers uh, hardcover volume one and it's available at in stock trades uh for it's their list price of 25 dollars marked off to 15.49 that's uh, you know 38 percent off and if you don't want to be spoiled on what's going on in the story and you can definitely just enjoy this art by tony moore and charlie adlard uh from the covers of the the comics and it also goes and a little more in depth it shows the original sketches on a lot of the covers and then the finished product uh it, it's just a really cool uh book to have around and again if you don't want to be spoiled to what's happening in the in the TV series, this is a nice alternative because you can really enjoy some really cool zombie art. Very good. Well, I think we've scared off the TV watching audience enough with our comic jargon. How about some television show news, Mr. From Jersey? Sure, sure. Actually, we're not going to go to television news quite yet because some of the news I have is uh, more general Walking Dead related. But we talked a little bit about the Walking Dead novel that's coming out soon. This is a prose novel, no pictures except on the cover, and that's what this article was about. They released the actual finished cover for the book. Looks like the Atlantic City uh, – Atlantic City, yeah, that'd be interesting. The Atlanta skyline with uh, some silhouettes in front of it and a stormy sky approaching. Um, it is, of course, written by Robert Kirkman and Jay Bonsinga, and here is the – the synopsis of the book, the book is called Rise of the Governor. Now, some spoilers, if you hadn't read the comics, um, this stays away from any comic-specific spoilers, but this character hasn't shown up in the show yet. So just here's a warning. Skip ahead 30 seconds if you don't want to hear it. 
the official press release says, In The Walking Dead, there is no greater villain than the governor. The despot who runs the walled-off town of Woodbury has his own sixth sense of justice, whether forcing prisoners to battle zombies in an arena for the town people's amusements or whether chopping off the appendages of those who cross him. The governor was voted Villain of the Year by Wizard Magazine the year he debuted, and his story arc was one of the most controversial in the seven-year history of The Walking Dead comic series. Now, for the first time, fans of The Walking Dead will discover how the governor became the man he is and what drove him to such extremes. So those of us who have read the comic, I think... Uh, we're all pretty much looking forward to this, right, guys? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's definitely set in the comics world, or do you think they could swing it into the TV world? Um, I think they officially said when they announced the trilogy of novels, because there will be three, um, not necessarily all about the governor, but they did definitely say this would be in the comics world. Now, with that being said, because this happens outside of the comic, presumably it would happen outside of the show – there's no reason it would need to contradict anything in the show either. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, all it's all taking point. place outside of it. That's a good so, point. That's what I was going to say. I mean, if, if the, the candy marketing sense tells me that it would be something to be applicable to both. I mean, the story of the governor really, I mean, it isn't going to spoil anything in the television show so far or contradict anything. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a good move not to alienate either side. Um, yeah, it's a nice little, you know. Yeah straddling the fence move there especially like you know we talk about the comics so much we love the comic and comics in general but like the comic reading audience even if it was the number one comic in the country right now it would pale in comparison to the amount of people watching it on tv so exactly yeah you definitely uh i'm glad they're making it possible to be in both worlds rather than alienating the comic but i could see them going for the tv full bore you know that audience that would make sense. I mean, I know those Suki Stackhouse books got extremely popular after True Blood, uh, you know, aired on HBO and became popular. So maybe they're thinking the same thing. Could yeah. be. Could be. Next up on the docket, we have The Walking Dead board game. That's right. If you don't want any of that high-tech video game that we've been talking about, here's a uh, more traditional standby for you. This is coming from Z-Man Games, and we have we only have right now the picture from the front of the board game. We know it's going to be like a one-to-six player game. It's going to retail for 40 bucks, although you know the retail price is never what you're actually going to pay. And um, from this picture, it is based on the comic. That's all very interesting, except that just when I was researching for the show tonight, I came across the fact that they've released another or have released the press release for another Walking Dead board game. And this one based on the television show from Cryptozoic Entertainment. So coming out soon, you're going to have two completely different Walking Dead board games, one for the comic and one for the TV show. It's an interesting move. Um, I wouldn't have expected them to go to do both, you know. Um, one or the other. It would be interesting to see w- the difference in the gameplay or the style of game or you know how it pans out versus one or the other. I'd almost expect if they were going to do it on the TV show, it'd be one of those uh, you know put in the DVD game you know trivia deals or something like that. Um, well, from the bi- from the picture of the TV one, because we actually have more pictures of the TV one than the comic one, um, it looks almost like a uh, Parcheesi type board where you're moving around. Um, you've got several different colors of cards, but I do not see any type of media disc. Hmm. Interesting. I-, I agree with you that that might have been an interesting idea, though. Do you guys play a lot of board games? I do not. I've been, I don't. I've been interested in hearing. I know there are like some really sophisticated. Uh, board games, like not maybe the board games that some people are thinking what when we say it, like Parcheesi or Sorry or Monopoly. Like or Settlers whatever. of Catan or something. Right, exa- exactly. I haven't tried any of them, but I know there are a lot of people that have like big game nights and 
friends over to to do just that so i've been starting to do that recently actually with a couple different groups of friends just you know little stuff i mean they're more like magic the gathering players and i have no interest in that but other different little things we've been starting to do so maybe this will be one of these will be fun to pick up they're both retailing like i said for 40 bucks um but you know those retail prices are never the ones you actually see in stores expect it for more like 30 and uh yeah coming to a store near you soon is amc behind the tv one in any way like is it something that'll be on their it has the AMC logo on the box. Um, okay. I don't know exactly how much that means they're actually involved with it, but it is definitely ha- their logo there. Very cool. Anybody else want to jump in before we... I know Jordan has a great list of things, as always, but if anybody wants to sneak in and bring something else up? Not to, uh, I guess, go back to too much comic talk, but but there is a zombie tied to this. Over on uh, episode 143 of the Legion of Dudes, at uh, you can go to our main website, hhwlod.com or legionofdudes.com. Um, I, we, we did a Smallville retrospective, and, it, and for about an hour and a half, um, we, we talk about pretty hardcore about Smallville. Um, and then for the last about 40, 45 minutes, we interviewed Chris Roberson, who is the writer of the iZombie comic. And um, if you haven't uh, picked that up and you're interested in zombies or you, you started to pick up the Walking Dead comic and, and like what you're reading, this is very different than the Walking Dead comic. It's way more lighthearted. So if you want something a little on the lighter side but still has zombies and vampires and uh, – uh, ghosts and wear terriers. Yeah, not not wear wolves. Wear terriers. Um, it it's a really fun comic, really offbeat, um, and and just a, a lot of fun to read. It's from Vertigo, which is is the DC imprint that's a little more adult in nature. Um, drawn by Ma- Mike Allred. If you're familiar with comics, Mike Allred drew Mad Men or Madman, and uh, uh, also X Force uh, towards the end of that run, and then Ecstatics. Um, which is kind of if you ever seen Mike's style, it's it's very unique. You can pick it up real easy by he's one of those distinguished artists where you know exactly what it is when you see it. And uh, so I talked to Chris a little bit about how he got started in comics, um, his writing Superman, and uh, we talked quite a bit about uh, his collaboration with Mike Allred on I Zombie. So the 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 premise behind the book is um, there's a woman that dies, she comes back as a zombie. Um, escapes her grave, and she has to eat brains once every 30 days or she basically turns into a mindless zombie. Um, but kind of like Chew, the comic Chew, where once she eats somebody's brain, she kind of takes uh, get, gets images and flashes and stuff of, of their personality. And what ends up happening is she ends up trying to dig into to what happened to them when they died. If they were murdered, she tries to look into figuring out how she can, you know, solve it or if if somebody was left behind and they had unfinished business she tries to um you know to console them or whatever and her her best friend is a uh, go-go dancer from the 60s girl you know short you know skirt and in the in the boots and all that 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 uh, is a ghost and uh Gwen the, the zombie lives in the cemetery and works in the cemetery so she works all day uh digging graves and then at night she she actually lives in one of the mausoleums in the cemetery Cemetery. Their best friend Spot, who is a like I mentioned earlier, is a wear terrier. Um, so it, it's just it's just a lot of fun. It's it's uh, kind of a kooky style, and uh, and it's out m- monthly. You can pick that up um, at any comic shop. And I think the first trade is finally out now. And uh, the second trade, because issue twelve is already out, so the second trade should be coming out pretty quick. So nothing else you can keep an eye on in stock trades or DCB service for it. But uh, but yeah, Cruz, like I said, Chris sat down with us for a little bit and, and chatted about that. So. 
a little bit of zombie connection there. Sweet. Jordan, what's next? Well, our next story is one that you've probably heard about, even if you don't follow a lot of zombie news. And that's because it came from the U.S. government. That's right, the Center for Disease Control. Now, we know at the end of Season 1 of The Walking Dead, they go to the Centers of Disease Control in Atlanta, which is where the actual U.S. main base of operations for the CDC is, although that wasn't the actual building. But the real CDC decided to latch on to the coattails of The Walking Dead to encourage emergency preparedness by creating a zombie apocalypse page on the official CDC website, which is emergency.cdc.gov. Uh, You can find this page if you go to cdc.gov. I'm sure there's a link right on the front page, but the full URL is uh, cdc.gov slash social media slash zombies dot ASP. Basically, they're saying, hey, if you're prepared for zombies, you're prepared for anything. So you should have – they're using this as an example of why you should have basic preparedness in your house, you know, emergency kits, blankets, all that kind of basic stuff that theoretically would work in a zombie apocalypse or any apocalypse that might come to the United States shores, theoretically. So what do you guys think about this, uh, this particular real-life story? I, I thought it was pretty funny. Um, it, it definitely – at first I thought it was a hoax. I really didn't think it was legit. And uh, I even went to the CDC's website – I went to the, the site and I wasn't totally convinced. And then I went to the, what I knew was the main – uh, CDC page, and sure enough, you're able to get to it. But uh, you know, my first thought was, "Wow, I can't believe the feds actually did this." But I mean, like you're saying, Jordan, it, it's a it's a great way to get people to go to the CDC site and look at you know emergency preparedness. Because I mean, we're not just talking. I mean, obviously not zombie apocalypse, but even apocalypse. But you know, we're seeing horrible things that have happened recently with tornadoes and floods. Um, and things like that going on in the Midwest. And, you know, the, the things that it's, it's advocating are to make sure you have, you know, enough water and, and, you know, blankets and food and all those kind of things. So in that respect, if, if, they, could, if they could use the zombie thing as a hook to get people in to, to pay attention to these things, then uh, so much the better in my opinion. And boy, did they get people, and they actually crashed the CDC website for a short period of time. There were so many people going to the site to read the story. Nice. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I went to the site, so I probably was part of that crashing, but I didn't like look up the blankets or any of the supplies that I might need. I just looked at all the zombie pictures and went, oh, that's funny. They tried to, you know, incorporate zombies and then I left. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know the effectiveness of it. It might get some more people to view the little widgets and put it on their Facebook page. But, I mean, did any of you guys read through the actual like supply list or instructions for an apocalypse <laughs> sure I, i've actually got it right here in front of me we've got a gallon of water per person a day uh food non-perishable items medications like prescriptions and non-prescription medications uh tools and supplies a utility knife duct tape battery powered radio uh sanitation and hygiene that's bleach soap towels etc uh, clothing and bedding, a change of clothes for each family member and blankets, uh, important documents like your driver's license, passport, birth certificate, and uh, first aid supplies. So, you know, you've got things for basic cuts and tears and lacerations, you know, and they all even point right there that you might also need that during a tornado or hurricane, which is uh, quite prevalent right now. Yeah, that's yeah. All, that's, that all sounds reasonable and, and everything. I mean, I didn't, I didn't look at it. I didn't get that out of the, um, I guess I missed the point of the, uh, of the of the little stunt, but the pictures are pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it did. I think raise awareness as to you know preparedness for any emergency. And I mean, we have like something like five hundred, six hundred reported tornadoes in April alone this year. 
So, um, and besides, I think I think more government money should go towards zombie apocalypse preparedness. And when it does go down, you'll thank me. Yeah, I I mean I I look through it, but I I tend to be a little more in tune to these things, um, being involved in you know emergency preparedness and first response and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so so I I kind of dove in a little deeper than you know maybe most folks did, but but I thought it was kind of cool. Well, we're interested in what all of our listeners think. So you can leave us a voicemail at 516-468-7912 or an email at comments at walkingdeadtv.com. Let us know. You think this is a good idea that the CDC is doing this or uh, is it just kind of a waste of taxpayer money? I will jump in here. We reached a Twitter milestone recently. Uh, we passed 700 Twitter followers. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. And mm-hmm. I, I happened to be hanging around. It was a follow Friday when I noticed that we were very close. We were like 689 or something. And I continued on with the follow Friday, which, of course, you know, is linking a lot of different people. And then they link you back. And that's kind of how Twitter grows. And uh, so I decided that if we passed 700, I would hold a Twitter contest and... Uh, we had another hardcover of The Walking Dead Volume 1, the big oversized hardcover, the first 12 issues of the comic. And I put out a question regarding the podcast. I think I asked, uh, Russ and I were trying to come up with a good question, and then I forgot everything we said after we got off the chat. But um, I think I asked to name everyone that we've interviewed on the show. And uh, a couple of people were involved in, like, you, you know, I was trying to point them towards the site if they didn't remember and stuff, and we were having a little fun with it. And it turns out Colleen, who is Bum Bum Girl, who we've spoken about many times before on Twitter, she helped us get that Norman Reedus interview, which was awesome. She ended up winning the book. So that was awesome. We want to encourage everyone to follow at WDTV Podcast, and you never know when we'll throw out a contest and, and you could win a prize. So, awesome. Congratulations to Colleen. We hope to speak to her when we talk about Norman Reedus. And uh, enjoy the book. Let us know how you like it. She's never read any comics before. She was very excited to get it. She took a picture of it, popped it up on Twitter. So, uh, hopefully she has read it, and we'll hear something from her. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. And we, I do want to add, when Season 2 gets closer... You know, we're going to do another push for iTunes reviews and Twitter followers and Facebook friends and all that stuff because uh, when season two comes around and the, and the buzz happens again and all the new people jump on, we want to be the first show they see. And uh, we know you guys are going to help out because you've been awesome so far, so why stop now? So speaking of season two, I've got all the non-TV show news out of the way. So now we've actually got some TV show news. The first one um, is just an article I actually want to point everybody towards if they're interested in reading it. It's about um, AMC, the network in general, and its economics, how it works, how it chooses television shows, and how it has uh, paid the bills for the last few years. You can find it at nymag.com, and we're going to put the link in the show notes. It's a very interesting article, but it's also several pages long, so I didn't want to bore everybody with economic talk. But um, you know, it just talks about subscriber fees, how that gets ported from the cable providers to them, how when they started out, it was about 20 cents per subscriber dollar or for, for every sub- subscriber to a cable provider, 20 cents went to AMC. Now it's up to 40 cents and how that stacks up against other networks and um, talks a bit, little bit about the upcoming shows they have in the pipe, some that will come to air um, like The Killing did this year or like Hell on Wheels will be doing later on and some that probably won't, but it's a very interesting read either way. 
it's really bizarre that just a few years ago AMC used to be like Turner Classic Movies or um, you know, or Fox Classic Movies or whatever, and just have like a, a regular steady feed of old movies, which they uh, still do. A lot well, they the still do, but I think the movies are more current now. Back in back in the day, they showed a lot of stuff from the fifties and sixties. Now they're showing a lot of stuff from the eighties and nineties. But I mean, do you think that just like what like five years ago they didn't have any, uh, you know, um, self-made programming, self-produced programming at all? And now they're they have some of the best programs on television in just that short of time. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, and that's kind of the subtext of the article: is how do they continue to make great top-tier shows like Mad Men or Breaking Bad? Um, at, while at the same time making shows that are still very good, but are also more uh, commercially viable, you know, AMC is most likely going to become publicly traded by the end of the year, and so then you have a you have a, a a duty to your investors to make as much money as possible. And if you have a show like Mad Men or Breaking Bad, which is fantastic, but doesn't have quite the viewership of say, hey, a show like The Walking Dead, um, how do they continue that business model? So if you're interested in that kind of economic talk, it's a very interesting article. What I thought was really weird is that two of the, uh, the, the new upcoming television shows I've seen previews for are very obviously uh, influenced by the success of Mad Men. There's that uh, Playboy Club on uh, NBC, and then there's also Pan Am with Christina Ricci on ABC, you know, both set in that same jet age uh, mm-hmm. time period or whatever, the early 60s, very much. Uh, and I guess, you know, the success of Mad Men, you know, success breeds uh, um, imitation. So here we go. Yeah, it'll be, it, it'll be interesting to see how that uh, how that works out for them. Have they had the only? And I know Jordan will know, and, and Russ will probably know too. The only failure I can think of is Rubicon. Prisoner. Oh right. Well, the I mean, prisoner the Prisoner was a mini series, so it was never going to come back either way. Yeah, but it's um, still no, I, I thought they intended for it to. The intention was if the mini series, and I could be wrong, if the mini series did well, that they were going to bring it back as a regular show. Really? How would that have worked with the ending, though? I don't know. I, th- I, I mean, I, like I said, I could be wrong, but I'm almost positive that was the intention. And I don't know if maybe they were going to go to like a rotating, uh, you know, I don't know, prequel thing or other people coming to an island or what. I, I don't know. But I, and like I said, I could be talking out of my rear end, but I, I thought that that was the case. I just thought they would have been better off if they hadn't tied it to the original property at all. If they just made that an original IP, they would have been better off because it had so little to do with the original Prisoner. I mean, other than the you know, the very most basic of premises, that they really I didn't see the need to tie it to the original series. But that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> right. Now, you brought up upcoming shows for this fall season. That'll be upon us in a few months, Jim. There's a couple other shows that we've been seeing previews for that look like they could be very interesting, especially if you're a fan of The Walking Dead. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of really atrocious-looking looking stuff coming this fall to television, but there's also a few gems. Um, the first is one called Awake. Now, have you guys seen the trailer I posted for this on Forum for Geeks? I did, yeah. It's about the, 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 the cop who's in the car accident and ends up living in two different realities, right? Yeah, yeah. More or less. Yeah, this, this detective, he's in a car accident with his wife and son, and when he wakes up after – it's a really crazy car accident, too, from the trailer. When he finally wakes up in the hospital, he finds out that his wife is alive and his son is dead. And that's all fine until he goes to sleep. And wakes up and finds that now his wife is dead and his son is alive. And so now for the rest of his life, or at least for the portion we're going to see, every time he goes to sleep, he wakes up in this alternate universe. Um, So it has kind of a fringe feel to an extent, a little bit of Inception in there. And there's the added 
twist of this is a police procedural, but he'll be investigating two different cases every week, one in one reality and one in the other. And clues in one might help point him in the right direction in the other universe as well. He might be in the pilot, I guess it's a kidnapping and a murder of some type. So when he's searching for the kidnapper in one universe, he finds numbers and clues that lead him towards the murderer in the other universe. Interesting. Yeah, it, it, in the trailer, if you've not seen it, check it out. It's on NBC.com or YouTube. You'll be able to find it. It's called Awake, and uh, it's really, really cool looking. The next is from J.J. Abrams, the creator of Lost, Fringe, Alias. Uh, he's the guy who's helming the Star Trek franchise right now, and he's got the upcoming movie Super 8, which looks really cool. It's called Alcatraz, and it's going to reteam him with um, the guy who played Hurley on Lost, whose name I'm all of a sudden blanking on. But Jorge the base- Garcia. Jorge Garcia, thank you very much. The basic premise um, is Sam Neill from Jurassic Park is was a prison guard at Alcatraz back when it was a functioning prison. And one day, we were all told that the prisoners were being moved to other prisons and Alcatraz was being shut down. But what really happened was every single prisoner in the prison, which was about 300 people, disappeared all at once. And so now Sam Neill has been, I guess, curator of the, the prison, which is now a museum um, in, in the modern day. And all of a sudden, the 300 and whatever prisoners start showing up in the modern day, the same age they were the day they disappeared. And he hires Hugo uh, Jorge Garcia. I, I want to say Hugo Reyes. That's the character's name. He hires uh, Jorge Garcia as a scientist to help him track down these prisoners who have apparently time-traveled 40 years into the future. Are they actually filming it at the real Alcatraz? I doubt it, but I don't know for sure. Because, like I said, it is a functioning uh, museum, I think. So... Yeah, you can go out there for the day, and uh, and they have tours and everything. I, I did when I lived in California. It's a really uh, interesting and weird. If you remember the uh, the prison from Shawshank Redemption, it very much had that kind of vibe. Just incredibly confined, everything made of gray metal and stone. Right. Yeah, and, and I should say, you know, I'm a big J.J. Abrams fan, but from the premise, I was a little bit iffy. Um, I think we even talked about it on Legion of Dudes a couple weeks back. You know, I was like, oh, it, great, I'll, I'll check it out, but it doesn't sound that great. The trailer, though, was actually pretty, pretty effective, and that one's going to be on Fox this fall. Also from J.J. Abrams, but also another guy whose name you may or may not know, but you certainly know his work. J.J. Abrams teamed up with Jonathan Nolan, also known as Jonah Nolan, I guess that's his nickname, um, who's the brother of Christopher Nolan. And you probably know Christopher Nolan as the director behind Inception, um, the director of The Dark Knight and uh, the upcoming Dark Knight Rises and many other awesome movies. But The Dark Knight was actually written, or co-written, I should say, by Jonathan Nolan. Uh, The movie Memento, which Christopher Nolan directed and wrote the screenplay for, was based on a short story by Jonathan Nolan. Um, They've worked together a lot, and Jonathan Nolan and J.J. Abrams have teamed up on CBS to do a procedural called Person of Interest, which teams up uh, Ben Linus from Lost, Michael Emerson, with Jesus from The Passion of the Christ, uh, Jim Caviezel, as uh, a wealthy, wealthy, eccentric man who invents a machine that gives him social security numbers. And an ex-CIA type operative who are going to be going out uh, stopping crimes before they happen. Basically, this machine that uh, Michael Emerson's character has created spits out a social security number of a person who's going to be involved in a crime. Could be the person who is going to be the criminal or the person who is the victim of the criminal. They have no way of knowing until they go out to stop the crime from happening. So it's a little bit of a weird premise. Um, The trailer, though, looks somewhat promising. I don't know that it's my favorite of the ones on this list, though. Minority Report. I was just about to say that. Yeah, it sounds a it lot It has like a little bit of that feel, yeah. And then the final one, I think this one's actually going to be premiering over the summer, and I believe on ABC, although I can't remember off the top of my head. I had not heard of this one until they put up all their trailers um, just last week. It's called The River. 
And the river uh, is the story of basically a crocodile t- hunter type family um, that had this television show that was very popular and they still do work down in the jungles of South America and such. And then one day the patriarch of the family goes missing. And so his family and the old television crew go down to the Amazon River to try to discover what happened to him and if he's still alive. There's like some type of emergency beacon going off uh, down there. And so they go down there. It has kind of a found footage, uh, paranormal activity type feel because a lot of it is supposed to be shot on location by this documentary film crew. Um, But some of it also has a more standard um, film look to it. The people behind it are um, actually the people behind paranormal activity. And I – wasn't huge on paranormal activity. I know a lot of people were, but this trailer looked pretty awesome. It's it's just a miniseries. You don't have to worry about being canceled and you never see the end of it. Um, miniseries that will air over the summer that looks pretty cool. There's some strange things going on in the Amazon. I don't want to spoil it, but check out that trailer for The River. Yeah, that's the same premise as The Land of the Lost, actually. Yeah, only without <laughs> Will Ferrell and everything else about that movie that was terrible. No, I meant the TV show. I, I, I'm, I'm aware, yes, yes. Lee Stacks and all that, but... um. Yeah, <laughs> what's the what's the what's good. the other one? Um, is it Terra Nova? Terra Nova is yeah. um, what, is that Fox as well? Yeah, that's Fox, and that's a I think that's a a winter. Uh, yeah, it's if it shows up at all, it'll be late because they've been troubled. Uh, they or they've been racked with different troubles on that show um, ever since it was announced. Rewrites and people leaving the show and coming back. Um, that's the one though where basically it's in the future, global warming the. Everything's gone to hell, and so the only thing that they can do is send everybody back in time, or about like 5,000 people, back in time to the age of the dinosaurs. So you've got some time travel, you've got some Jurassic Park. I don't know that I love the trailer, though. Uh, what did you guys think? I haven't seen the trailer yet. I'm, I'm kind of cautiously optimistic. Uh, anything on, I'll be honest with you, anything on Fox, I really, it's almost like becoming self-fulfilling prophecy. I'm hesitant to watch anything that debuts on Fox for fear of cancellation, which, of course, is why stuff gets canceled, because people don't watch it. So, It sounds very similar to that show that tanked a while ago called Earth 2. And that was not a little while ago, Jim. I was about five when that came on the air, I think. <laughs> well, it's a little while ago it's to me, relative. because I'm, I'm Methuselah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all relative. I do remember my dad watching a couple of episodes of that, though. Um, I mean, let, let me step up to defend Fox a little bit. Yes, Fox has made some terrible marketing and uh, airtime placement decisions for shows in the past. I'm thinking Rest of Development. I'm thinking Firefly. But over the last few years, A, they're one of the only networks who's willing to put this, or willing to even give this genre-type programming a chance for the most part. And Fringe just finished up its third season. They've got a fourth. Uh, Dollhouse, which was probably Joss Whedon's worst show, even though I, I liked it, um, got a second season that it probably didn't deserve. A lot of these shows, we we think hey, hey, Fox is hey, what? Oh, disrespecting the douche <laughs> I, I was going to say, like say you're talking about the woman he loves. There, come on. Let, let me let me be frank. I like the show, but oh, ratings wise, I, I know ratings wise, they did not have the numbers to support it. Fox, like any other network, does not want to cancel its shows. Fox wants every show it airs to be the biggest hit of all television history. They want millions and millions of people to watch. They want it to rank in, uh, to rake in lots of monies. But if a show is not watched by enough people, that means they are not getting the ad revenue, which means it becomes cost prohibitive to produce the show. They don't cancel these shows because they hate geeks. 
they cancel shows that don't perform well enough to warrant bringing them back. They have investors and they have a responsibility to those investors. It's business. It's not art. That's what television is. I'm sorry to tell you. I I mean, yeah, I agree. But it's just like anything else. You you have to make an investment. And just because you make an investment doesn't mean you're immediately going to get a return. I mean, if, if we look back on some of the television shows that have were huge successes um, that took a little bit of time to get moving. I mean, look at you know Seinfeld, and even you know like when Night Court first started back in the '80s or Cheers. Check out the first sh- few seasons of The Simpsons sometime. Yeah, I mean, some of these shows were just. I, I mean, that's certainly compare- true. But this but, is a totally different television landscape. Shows don't do that anymore. No, I agree. Well, maybe they don't do it because they're not allowed to. <laughs> um, but with the, in the age of the DVR, people just – if they don't like an episode they see, they don't watch a show again. It's gone for them. Yeah. I, I just – I think I, – I just think with some shows – and I agree. It's kind of a fine line. I think for some things – if if they were willing to let word of mouth go, not be um, an impediment. I mean, you know, we look back at things like Firefly. I mean, the network shot themselves in the foot on that show. That wasn't yes. a case of you know a, a show not finding its audience and and it getting canceled because it was expensive. That was a show that the network put on at a bad time, moved it around, showed it out of order. I mean, you know, it, 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 it makes you wonder, like, why did you even bother? Because you gave it no support. Oh, um, I, I agree completely. But, but I think, I, I, you know, not to just pick on Fox, I think actually NBC is the new Fox um, because they seem to cancel shows. NBC um, is the new WB at this point. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny. Nothing, it, it seems like everything's a one-hit wonder on, on NBC, you know, last one season and then you're done. But hopefully, I mean, they the just Cape, got bought out by. Uh, said hi. Yeah. yeah, so did the event. They just got bought out by Comcast. They're making a lot of changes in house. Hopefully, give me a year or two, they'll be back, uh, back in a position of power, or at least making not terrible television shows. Um, we'll see. I mean, they have Awake, and Awake out of all these shows that I talked about, that's the one that trailer wise looks the most interesting to me. Yeah, I agreed. So, I mean, hopefully, it all works out for them. It's a different. You know, it's it's funny. I was thinking about this as um, not to get too far off top off topic, but you know it is a TV show that that we we cover. Hulu Plus came out for the Xbox 360, and uh, they offered a free month um, trial if you sign up for it. So I, I I bit I signed up for my month free trial, and totally got caught up on on The Office, the seventh season of The Office, and. I know that for whatever reason the networks and stuff aren't behind the whole internet thing, but I would be fine. I, I don't have a problem with advertisements. And the funny thing about watching The Office on, on Hulu or Hulu Plus is you really can't skip the advertisements. You can't skip the commercials, right? With the DVR, um, which it seems like more and more, everybody watches stuff time-shifted. Nobody, it, it almost seems like nobody watches live TV anymore. Um, so it makes you wonder how the ad revenue works for that because if people are using their DVRs, they're skipping the commercials. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet things online, um, you know, the, the, the networks and the, and the production companies don't really um, give a lot of credence to internet numbers. Yet that's the perfect medium right now because of controls over the, uh, you know, over you know either browser controls or or the or the viewing controls that they can make people. You know, sit through advertisements and commercials, um, and I, I just I, I think that's a huge untapped market. I think I think the networks 
and, and the movie houses are so afraid of the internet and that anything they put on the internet is going to be pirated and distributed and nobody's getting any money. And I, I think what they don't understand is if they put it out there and they throw commercials in it and it's free and you can watch it when you want, people aren't going to bother to pirate it because it's too much trouble. Exactly. Oh, I, wasn't, I there article, wasn't there an article this week that said that something like 30 or 40% of all internet traffic now is Netflix streaming? Yeah, it's and it's even more, more than that in Canada. Hours, yeah. It's, it's like more 60%, than that, in, I think. In Canada, it's, it's, yeah, it's up to 60 to 70% um, of PM peak traffic. I think for all of North America, it's, it's yeah, you're right, Jim, it's like 30%. And it's only going to get higher, in my opinion. Jim, did you want to do some video game stuff? I know we have some zombie-related video game stories. Well, um, we're right before, uh, e- well, we're, as we record this, we're right before Memorial Day weekend. And then after that, the week after that is E3, which is the big video game uh, event of the year. It's when we get to pretty much see all the, all the games we're going to be playing for the next year or two uh, in, you know, in preview form. Plus, uh, this year we have the extra added bonus of the rumor of Nintendo uh, launching a new console. But on the zombie-related front, we have a, a game that we talked about the trailer for this game uh, a few episodes back called Dead Island. You guys might remember the trailer. It's kind of in reverse uh, with the little girl uh, falling from the hotel. Uh, it's kind of... Uh, uh, do you remember talking about this? Yeah. Um, on, the, on the show, on the trailer I'm talking about? It's well, a very uh, memento-like trailer. Right, because it starts at the beginning and the end and kind of is, is being told forward and backward at the same time exactly. Anyway, the, um, the, the pre-E3 events that have started now, one of the, the games that was previewed to the press was Dead Island. They, actual, uh, got to, they actually got to get some uh, hands-on previews for it, and a lot of different uh, video game media outlets got, got uh, hands-on time with it. And evidently, it's not uh, so much uh, a Left 4 Dead clone as it is more influenced by an RPG element like Fallout 3, but with more of an emphasis on melee weapons. Uh, rather than uh, guns, which makes sense. I mean, these people are trapped on an island. Any ammunition that they would have would be, you know, be a precious commodity. Um, they're also talking about uh, improvised weapons, uh, much like uh, were available in the zombie game Dead Rising 2, where you get to, you know, you can combine different things to make your own melee weapons. And there are different characters you can play. Basically, the premise is that a resort island has been taken over by zombies. There are different safe houses and safe areas on the island that the survivors have made for themselves. And you go from one safe area to the next, uh, performing different tasks while all, all, all along, you know, defending yourself from zombie hordes as you wait for the government to come save you, which everyone is convinced they will. <laughs> Spoiler alert, they're probably not. Uh, <laughs> it's been very encouraging. All the previews have been very encouraging. It looks like it's going to be a really interesting mix of, uh, of uh, third-person melee combat and RPG elements, and uh, it just it seems like it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a little different than uh, most of the other zombie you know, hack and slash or, slash or shoot 'em ups that we've seen so far. Very cool. Uh, who's making that, Jim? That is... Uh, it, Oh, man, I don't have it in front of me. Hold on. It doesn't even really matter. I was just wondering about what you think the gameplay will be like if you had to compare it to anything. You know, are we looking at like a Fallout 3? It looks like Fallout 3, only slightly more skewing towards Left 4 Dead in a way. Um, if you think about like in the melee weapons in Left 4 Dead 2, how they function, it felt a lot like that, only with the added ability to, you know, add a battery to the machete to make an electrified machete or things like that. Um, a lot of different craftable weapons, kind of like, um, uh, what's the mall video game? Dead Rising. Dead Rising. Dead Rising, yeah. Um, 
but then with the more RPG elements, like a, like a Fallout 3. It's being done by the Polish developer Techland, who are best known for the uh, Call, Call of Juarez, uh, first-person shooter. Uh, kind of a, like a precursor to Red Dead Redemption in, a, in an odd way. Uh, but there's going to be an experience system and a skill tree system, like Jordan said, like in a game like Fallout 3 or what have you. Um, and it's going to be played in an open-world-style uh, sandbox environment, like a GTA-type thing, with random encounters and then also scripted encounters. Um, and unlike Fallout 3, it won't be as gun-centric. It's going to be more melee-oriented. Uh, cool. So uh, we'll be using our machetes to cut our way through the jungle of full of zombies, uh, hopefully, uh, this August is the uh, August first is the uh, planned release date, and Square Enix is distributing that here in America. So it'll be for the 360, PS3, and the PC. And uh, John, uh, you have had the distinct uh, pleasure of trying out the new Call of Duty Black Ops zombie content with some uh, pretty famous uh, uh, players in there, or people you could play as, I guess I should say. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, actually, Russ and I got to uh, play one evening together. Uh, what the hell is it called, Russ? Uh, Ascension? Is that the one we're on? Escalation. Escalation. Uh, yeah, the Escalation pack. Um, I, I guess we'll stay away from the new maps and the regular Call of Duty content, which is really good. I, I love the new maps. I love that you get to play online just using those maps so all the people who bought the pack can just play against each other and you don't have to go through all the old maps. But uh, we played the added zombie... Uh, game in which you can play as Sarah Michelle Gellar, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, you can be Daryl Dixon. You can be Machete. And you can be somebody else. Robert England. Robert England. Correct. So I was hoping for a bit more. I was hoping that there would be a little bit of a change in gameplay. Like if you were Buffy, you'd maybe have a crossbow that shot wooden stakes or if you were machete, maybe you would swing or throw machetes. You know, something that would let you know the, the character that you were playing as. It's really not the case. Um, basically, you're still picking up the same machine guns and shotguns, and you can't see yourself because it's a first-person game. So really, the only clue that you are the character uh, who you are playing is by the voiceover kind of sound effects as you run around. Now, when I played with Russ... He was uh, Buffy, so I got to see my partner was Buffy, and he got to see that his partner, or her partner, depending on uh, how you look at it, <laughs> was Machete, I guess I was, right? I didn't even know yeah. who I was. I remember asking, who am I? Who am I? <laughs> and you said, yeah. I think you're Machete. Um, but again, it doesn't add anything to the gameplay. You're just Machete or Danny Trejo picking up shotguns and... Uh, and machine guns. So I was a little bit let down uh, by that. Russ, did you have the same feeling, basically? Yeah, I I thought there was going to be more to it. I mean, basically, if you played Call of Duty and you played the zombie level um, where you play as either Nixon or Kennedy or whatever, it's it's the same premise, different level, different you know skin characters, but the gameplay is no different um, at all. Yeah, which I guess we should have figured, but... Um... Do you at least get the voice acting from the characters like you do in the regular zombie mode? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And that's really the only clue you have um, as to who or what you're you're playing as. Right. right. What about George Romero as a boss? You know, it's funny because he is a boss, but he attacks you immediately. Yeah. Like the beginning. And I think he's unkillable. Of, yeah. The beginning of the first. No, no, he's killable. Well, oh, we man, it takes a long time. <laughs> yeah, I was just exactly. Say. <laughs> 
Yeah, right at the beginning of the first level, he's out there chasing you, and there's other generic zombies popping up, uh, wave after wave of them. So it's, it's kind of cool because, like, the one level we started off on, there's a lake, and if you go in the lake and stay in it too long, you start to freeze, and literally, like, your whole screen frosts over. And the, if you stay in there long enough, you literally can't see where you're walking because ice has covered your, your field of view. So that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, I mean, Call of Duty is a good game, so it's still a good, you know, addition. It's just not, you know, obviously I was looking for a little bit more Daryl Dixon and, and Buffy and Machete, of course, a little bit more of their traits involved rather than them just shooting guns. So Merle's just incredibly racist the entire game? That's, that's what you wanted? Yeah, I mean, I don't even know. And then another thing about it is the zombie modes on Call of Duty are extremely hard. Um, so Russ and I played the same map, you know, by that lake a, a bunch of times, and we didn't get even far enough to find any cool cutscenes or anything like that. We just kind of kept getting killed and starting over again. So it's of comparable difficulty then to the original zombie modes? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, with two people, you're going to be hard-pressed to last more than a few waves, um, you know, and that's that's basically it. So I don't know. If you're a big Walking Dead fan and you're looking forward to playing as Daryl Dixon, I'd hold off uh, at least till it comes down from the 15 bucks that, that it is. The cool thing about XBLA and, and PlayStation Network when it's up, ouch, uh, is that they usually mark uh, a lot of DLC down uh, sometimes with sales. So if you keep your eyes open, you can usually find it for cheap. I got one more game to talk about for our zombie fight audience out there, and this is kind of a, a super group almost uh, of, of video gaming. It's a game called Shadows of the Damned. It's coming out June twenty first, and this is a collaboration between Shinji Mik- uh, Shinji Mikami. Uh, you might not know the name, but you do know what he's created. He created the Resident Evil series um, of games, and he's basically known as the father of Resident Evil and of survival horror by by association. And Suda fifty one, who's made some really incredibly bizarre games including uh, no more heroes and killer seven he's just very has a very uh, artistic flair and a very very odd style and they have teamed up with akira yamayoko who is a sound designer and uh, um, soundtrack writer for silent hill so it's kind of like a super group of the talent from all these different um survival horror games and the uh the previews have just started coming out now you can check out the trailer for it online but uh it's, it's very much in the resident evil mode uh if you've played resident evil 4 then you kind of know uh, already what the the controls are going to be like with the aiming and shooting very much uh, taken from that game but it's just very it looks very over the top uh crazy um just action-filled, really fun, lots of zombies and other undead creatures to kill. So keep an eye out for that. That comes out June 21st, Shadows of the Damned. The guys that made the Resident Evil series must be going, you know, you got to be kidding me with these zombie games that are coming out now. I mean, they were <laughs> they were how many years ahead of their time with the survivor, survival horror uh, zombie stuff? I still say Resident Evil 4 is probably the, my favorite in the series. Code Veronica would be a close second. But uh, anything Mikami does, I'm kind of keeping an eye on. And uh, this just looks like it's out of hand, like over-the-top, out-of-control kind of action. And it looks like a lot of fun. Nice. So I think before we send this uh, episode home, Russ, you had a little bit of a treat at the uh, con that you were at recently. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, we, uh, Brad Milo and I, were at um, the Dallas Comic Con in Irving last weekend. And uh, we... 
unfortunately, Saturday was a really busy day for us. We had uh, um, a couple things going on. John Romita Jr. was there. His line was really long. Um, some other some other stuff going on. We had a photo op that we had to attend. And when we went up to the room where the um, the Vatos were were at from the Walking Dead uh, TV show, we we missed them Saturday. So. We ended up going back up Sunday, and a couple of them unfortunately had gone. But we met with um, Juliet uh, Terzif from the ZombieSurvivalCrew.com website, and she was kind of the the ringleader, I guess, or the 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 one you know kind of keeping an eye on the boys, as she called them. And uh, so we were able to Brad and I were able to quick interview and talk to uh, James Gonzaba and Anthony Wajardo. Um, Anthony played Miguel and uh, James played Jorge. They're both uh, um, some of the a couple of the vatos from from that episode, and uh, we just had a real quick, you know, eight ten minute conversation with them, and uh, you know, talked to him a little bit offline as well. Just real, it's it's funny, you know, when you when you watch TV shows and you see you know folks acting and you know they're kind of playing the badass and uh, playing the, the you know tough guys, and uh, they couldn't have been the two of the nicer guys. I mean, just real soft spoken. Um, real humble um, and just you know just a lot of fun fun to talk to um, which we did briefly and of course we, you know we asked them if they were coming back and you know of course they said they'd love to but you know either didn't know or couldn't say which you know fair fair enough we you know we understand you know we don't want to ruin their chances of getting back on the show um, so that was that was really cool I, th- I think they're going to try and possibly be in New York so I think that's probably the next con of any substance that uh that that will be at so um so yeah so we got brad was able to uh record about eight eight or so minutes of of our interview with them so that's what we've got coming up next hey it's brad and russell's here and it's day two of the dallas comic-con we're upstairs on the third floor in the zombie survival crew room we've got anthony guajardo and james gonzaba from the walking dead they were in the batos episode anthony's been on our program before right yes yeah, randomly. And James, uh, we haven't met you yet, but uh, we're happy to happy to meet you this time. Are you in this picture here at all? Yeah, man, I'm right there. Right here? Yeah. Oh, there you go. I hope I just didn't like put this microphone in my mouth. Anyway, <laughs> so um, are you guys? I hate to ask this question, but do you, are are you going to be back next season? Do Do you guys know if you're going to be back next season at all? We if you cannot. Don't, can you say? We cannot deny or confirm. No. Anything. Well, I think... Um, there was a longer sentence, but I forgot the rest. I got you. I think as... as you pick out your note we can neither confirm yeah, nor... Neil Brown Jr. was here yesterday saying it all day. <laughs> I forgot. I He's got, got it down pat, man. huh? Just, yeah, I saw, him, uh, I saw him walk out of the room yesterday. We tried to come up here yesterday at 4, but oh, we had our times wrong, and we had just finished taking a picture with Leonard Nimoy, so we were still starstruck. You know, I think just between you and me and the zombies, I think... Leonard Nimoy was like a cardboard cutout. Have you seen all the pictures of him? I mean, he was a nice guy, but, one. but they're all, they all look the same. Where he's like, It was like an assembly line, literally. I mean, it, we they, had like, they stopped just long enough for them to snap, and then it's like... We had like 90 seconds like, with the guy. It's like... You know, and he just sits there. Doesn't say a word. Make you know, it worth it. Oh, the- <laughs> there was a whole table full of... Anyway, we'll talk about Leonard Nimoy later. Um... So the as comic readers, Russell and I, and uh, the uh, rest of the guys that host the show, we uh, I think we really enjoy the 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 fact that the show doesn't follow the book completely. Have you guys read the book? A little. I I started, but uh, 
don't like reading that much, I guess. You don't like to read? Yeah. I don't, you know, some people don't like to read. Some people don't like to exercise. So. Yeah, I read one, I read one comic. Uh, my, a friend of mine brought it over. And, uh, I mean, to be honest, God honest with you, like, I, I never read a comic in my life. Right. And I feel so, like, disrespectful being here and in the same building with these people because when they take so much glory, you know, and these comics and everything, and I, I love it. Like, yeah. like, I'm feeding off of them now. But, um, I'm learning. I'm doing my homework, and uh, yeah, man, it's uh, it's good stuff, man. And, and just to be a part of the show, and uh, it's it's like uh, man, reality starts kicking, man. Like, have you guys been? To, I mean, this is a relatively small show. Have you guys been to any of the bigger, like either San Diego? Have you been out to San Diego or like New York? I guess New York would have oh, been for the con. Yeah, San Diego? yeah. Yeah, I can talk about the con San Diego. That'd be cool. Yeah, I've been here. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, I tried getting in, but you know, people don't respond to emails for uh, San Diego Comic Con. I've been. I lived in San Diego. If that makes any, it doesn't even do it. I mean, does it make it better for me? But yeah, no, is it no, part of the show. Just, like you haven't been brought. You know, like yeah. No, no, no. no, 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 no. Uh, okay. I was talking to someone, or like my agent was talking to someone. And I don't know what happened. They just, um, you know, they, they weren't gonna pay for the room or anything, which I didn't care about. I was like, I don't care. I don't pay for all stuff. I want to be there. But I don't know what happened. They don't like me. They don't like me. Pay for a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> In San Diego Comic Con is, it's a monster. You know, it's yeah. there's so much there's so many politics involved. But like mostly the only reason why I want to go to San Diego Comic Con is just to be there. To do it. <laughs> yeah. I just want to go walk around and buy stuff. Yeah. It. Uh, I did it in 07, and it's one of those things where. I recommend everybody do it at least once, mm. but like I couldn't go every year. Yeah. It's just like it's too insane. It's way too Actually, insane. Actually, I have a friend that uh, he did, when I heard about San Diego Comic Con, I have a friend that does uh, voiceovers now, and he wants that. And he came back. Uh, we used to work in the sushi joint together, and uh, man, he was like, "Oh my god!" Like just freaking out. I'm like, and then I mean, it's just funny how everything works out. You know, you know, in a big circle. You know, and then I'm now I'm here, and this was like five years ago. So that's just a kicker for me. I yeah. think about these things, and we're talking about this last night over and over. It's just like, man, we're this is awesome. Man. It's crazy how life throws stuff at you. Hey, you know, you know what it throws it? it you either try to dodge it or you catch it and run yep. with it. So, what's with you on these really cool metaphors? Am I like, <laughs> you randomly throw out some cool stuff? <laughs> you know what? Uh, I think it's my grandmother. I think I get it from my grandma. She sat me on the lap when I was little, and she was like, "Mijo." Uh, when you ha life hands you lemons, you make uh, Kool-Aid, and I'm like, well, no, Grandma, that's not it. That's <laughs> close, Grandma, but that's not quite It's it. almost there, but yeah, yeah, she's like, okay, yeah, you know. Why don't you tell me a cool, cool <laughs> So how... We gotta work on it. I'm gonna tattoo him on his back for the next... So how, how many days of, like, actual filming did you guys do when you were on the... It was, like, two weeks, right? You were there? I was oh. there for, like, three days, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was there for four days, and they sent me on my way. <laughs> how long but, were we there? Did you get to interact? I see a picture here with Norman Reedus and uh, Anthony. No, I'm sorry. Guys get to, guy. <laughs> no, uh, get to interact no. at all with them? Man, tell them. Norman tell is one of the coolest guys you'll ever hang out with. He's just, he's totally chill. Yeah, we did an interview with him. Yeah. He was really, really cool when we talked to him the one time. He seemed, like you said, just like a normal guy, not full of himself. Really happy to talk to us. Did you get to visit at all with anybody, James? Uh, from, from the cast? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Noel, I got in the van my first morning. I saw, I got in the van and I freaked out. I turned around and Noel uh, G's sitting there. And I, I turned around, I looked, and I turned back around, I looked in the river mirror, I was like, yeah, that's him. And I started, and I was yeah. like, oh my God. And then I get on set and I see uh, Norman smoking a cigarette. And I, I was saying this story this whole time last night. Um, I'm sorry, I'm taking too long, but uh, 
I saw Boondock Saints like a week before I'm watching on TV. And then I'm there, like, what? I'm looking at it, yeah. I'm like, wait a second. Okay, I call my friend JJ. I'm like, JJ, uh, I don't want to freak I'm not sure. I'm trying not to freak out right now, but I think I'm looking at Norman Reedus right now, smoking a cigarette. And I walked over there, and he, he was talking to Noel, and they were like, yeah, man, oh, we done. Oh, what was that movie we did together? And I stopped him. I was like, you guys, um, sorry to bother y'all, but are you? And are you? And they're like, yeah, man. Like, oh, yeah, I got to. But, you know, it was awesome. Was like, Pretty soon, you know, as you guys get more acting gigs, it's going to start happening to you. I mean, we're lowly podcasters, but when sometimes people will hear our voice and they'll go, hey, are you, you know, Brad or whatever, and it's really odd. It's really a strange feeling. Awesome. You know, it is It is kind of awesome. Because I look, I look nothing like Miguel, so I don't know. I'm chill. <laughs> you, look I'm not a lot different. you look a lot different with hair. Yeah. I don't have the tattoos on my Obviously, head. that's a fake tattoo. Yeah, no, I actually I got it so in San Antonio. Man, you're blown out. I don't, we won't want to take up too much more of your time, but I hope we get to see the Vatos again because, like I was going to say earlier, as a comic reader, you know, that story doesn't happen in the books. So it's, what's cool about this show for me is that it's familiar, but at the same time, I don't know what's going to happen next. You know, he'll, they'll go off the path and back on it, and this is definitely off the path. And uh, we were talking earlier with one of our buddies downstairs. That was one of the coolest episodes because these guys appear to be one thing, you know, and at the end of the episode, you realize that they're completely something else, you know, and it, it was just a nice a nice uh, twist to the story. So it was really good to, to oh, meet you in person. Yeah, yeah good to meet you. Nice to meet you. Take care, guys. Yeah, we hope we see you next it. season. Yeah, yeah awesome. you're going to be back. It was nice or, talking. Yeah, just you guys around. later. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate Email me. Then. Thank you so much. Okay, later. <laughs> we'll do. Thank you, guys. Thank Thanks. you. Take care. We really appreciate them sitting down for that interview with us. That was pretty cool of them. That's it. For what we have for this show, you can leave us a voicemail at 516-468-7912. Let us know what you think about the CDC news, some of the board games, all that kind of stuff, because we are always interested in hearing what you have to say. Or you can send us an email, comments at walkingdeadtv.com. And if you don't want to send a voicemail through the traditional telephone number, you could also just record yourself as an MP3 and email that to this there. Check out Half Hour Wasted on Mondays and the Legion of Dudes podcast on Thursdays over at hhwlod.com. And don't forget to check out our Facebook groups for Legion of Dudes, Half Hour Wasted, and of course, WDTV. Follow us on Twitter at WDTV Podcast and at HHWLOD underscore network. I'm at Jordan FRM Jersey. Russ is at R Latham. Jim is at Yoda Jones. And John is at LIJohnM1. So until there's no more room in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember, it's not art, it's business. Have a good night. Later. Good night. Brains, everybody. Mute. It ain't gay if it's in a three-way. I don't think it rains in Texas. I think they just spit on each other. I, I always... Well, I always... I'm going to back up. That made no sense. <clears throat> so until there's no more room in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember, it's not gay if it's in a three-way. Also, one more, just in case Brad doesn't like that. Sorry. <laughs>
So there's until, no way he's going to let that one fly. I, did, I, I didn't think so, but I figured I'd get recorded just in case. <laughs>